Hello, friends. Welcome to Take It or Lead It, a podcast that is all about stories of people that uh, want to impact the world and make positive change and uh, a bunch of other things. But today I'm really happy to have as a guest my friend uh, Liam Day. Uh, we're not physically in the same place. Uh, he just moved back to the UK for a period, but I let him tell you his story. Hey, Liam. Hey, hey, how you doing, Billy? Doing good, doing good, thanks. Um, when was your farewell, uh, what, like a week ago, right? Uh, yeah, last Saturday. Last Saturday. So, and you went straight from Budapest to home. Tell us about you first, and then maybe we'll enter the uh, the story, that's the one that uh, uh, you also shared that is spiral and at the community. And I think that's a very powerful one. So tell us a bit about you first. Sure. I'm from Manchester in the UK. I uh, left Budapest uh, just a few days ago. Uh, I'd been there for two and a half years. Uh, I'm an English teacher, which is what brought me to Budapest. And uh, in total, I've been doing that for 14 years. Uh, Budapest was the sixth different country I lived in. And I'm moving to Morocco uh, just after New Year. Okay, yeah. So we'll talk about that towards the end. Which other countries have you been, uh, have you lived in before? Uh, so I, I started in South Korea when I was 22. And since then, I've lived in the Czech Republic. Uh, I've lived in Spain a couple of times, uh, Japan, uh, Timor Leste, and Hungary. Wow. So it feels like uh, you've had a pretty diverse uh, set of experiences there. What took you to? South Korea in the first place, Liam? Well, originally I wanted to be an educational psychologist. My uh, degree is in psychology. I've always had a passion for it. And the biggest criticism of educational psychologists is teachers saying to them, you don't know what it's like to have your own class. So I thought it would be a good idea and would be a good experience for me to go out and have my own class for a year and just to, to see what it was like to be a teacher. Once I got out there, I realized, actually, I quite like this. Uh, I'm good at it. Well, <laughs> I showed potential, shall we say, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it allowed me to travel. It allowed me to be creative. One of the things that I always really turned me off about a lot of jobs is I couldn't stand the idea of having a job that was the same every day. I need diversity. And teaching gives me that. Great. And basically, since then, you've been teaching, right? Yeah. Okay. How long have you been in uh, South Korea? I was there for a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. And then what next step was? Well, I bounced around all over. Okay. Um, so I did a year and a half in Korea. Then I went backpacking and did a year in um, a little Spanish town in North Africa called Melilla. And then came back home for a little while then went out to the Czech Republic for one year. And right. then after that, went, went back to Spain, this time in Andalusia and Granada. Okay. And then I was home between 2016 and 2019. I was in the UK. And then I got itchy feet and decided I wanted to right. start traveling yeah. again. So I went and did three months in Japan. That was just a short contract. And then I went out to Timor-Leste. My plan was to stay there for two years, but then COVID happened. So when COVID came along, I had to come back home again. 
And then basically after the lockdown, I said, the first place that offers me a decent job, I'm going to go. And that was Hungary. So that's how I ended up there. Right. And that's how we we met. Was it what, a year and a half ago or so? Maybe more than that. Would more be, than that. Yeah. yeah. Coming up on two and a half years ago. Yeah, but when we met the first time, was it two and a half years ago already? Or like I, you were already I came to Inspiral about I think for the first time about three weeks after I arrived. Oh wow. You weren't, you you weren't might... at the first meeting. I met Shafi. Oh, you um, met Shafi. And okay. then the next time I came, you were there, and that's when I met you. Okay. You, you know, I keep saying to people like my perception of time over the last three years has been very <laughs> fluid. So I just completely lost uh, uh the the right perception of it. So Okay, so you came to Inspiral, you kind of liked the, the vibes, and you decided, you know, maybe it was good for you to share one particular story of yours, with, which I I found profound and uh, very inspiring. So would I'd love if you could share this with our Take It or Lead It uh, um, listeners as well. Uh, why don't you take us through? Yeah. And I've suffered from depression since I was 15. Um, and in 2017, it's, it all got too much for me. And I decided to end my life on July the 2nd, 2017. That was the day after what was supposed to be my wedding. Um, but that relationship broke up and it was in a way, once you make that decision, it's, it, it's strange because it made me feel better almost like knowing that the pain was going to be over and fortunately um people often talk about moments of weakness but they don't talk about moments of strength and in that period between me making the decision and and actually that day coming along i reached out to a to, to my gp um i had a, a day where i just thought i don't want to do this and i um And they put me under the care of the Manchester crisis team. Right. And the idea of the crisis team is that they visit you at home a couple of times a week, but it's different people each time. So you don't get a chance to build up a relationship. And, and I got frustrated telling the same story over and over again to these people. But then on the seconds, they, they made me promise not to do anything until someone had visited me on that day. And they sent what I would refer to as my God, my guardian angel. Um, he could walk past me in the street tomorrow and I wouldn't remember him. And such was the, the haze that was around me at the time. I don't have a lot of memories of that, that few months. Um, it's a strange, strange period of my life, but he managed to give me just enough hope to get through that day. Uh, and to start fighting back. And basically, I, I've been fighting back ever since. And um, the story that I told at Inspiral was, was started with this, but then also I went through what helped me uh, yeah. fight back because yeah. lots of people suffer. I'm a big advocate of male mental health. I I think that, you know, the um, the idea of man up is is so toxic and and, uh, yeah. and dangerous i think more men right. need to speak out and so i kind of took it upon myself as someone who's come back from the brink which was the title yeah. of my uh, of my story to 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 
to share and to spread awareness right of what helped me yeah so maybe let's unpack the story a bit liam because you went through really fast and i think what's what's very interesting is you you actually planned uh the day when you were going to take your life and that was the 2nd of july 2017 so how long before that day you start i mean when did this idea crystallize in you was it weeks months before it was a couple of months so so you were at some point sometimes in say may 2017 you you decided okay this is gonna be the day yeah something like that okay if you don't mind can you just uh drive us through the, if there was any kind of aggravating circumstance that took you took you there um beyond the depression because you said you you uh faced this for several years so probably something has happened you you mentioned a failed relationship uh, would you like to share that piece sure um the the engagement um ended in the october and it wasn't a bad breakup at all um but I got into another relationship in the February and fell really hard for this girl. And she, she lived in Switzerland um, and I went over to visit her. And when I got over there, um, she wasn't the same. And she, she said some very hurtful things that I don't think I deserved. And when I came back to Manchester, I was heartbroken. I decided that I, I had a job that I hated. So I decided to put my notice in. And I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make a positive out of this. And I got myself a part-time job. And then my previous employer actually called my new job and got me fired and that was the decision that was the that was the the aggravating factor because right. i couldn't believe that first of all i couldn't believe some of the things that the girl had said to me which i totally did not deserve and um, but also i couldn't believe the the nastiness of my former employer who basically um didn't want me going to work at another school and because I, I went to, to one of their competitors. Wow. And I just couldn't believe that someone would stoop so low. And I lost all faith in, in people. And once that had gone, it was it was a pretty quick progression from there to deciding I don't actually want to be around this anymore. Wow. I can imagine like a series of... Uh negative circumstances it was just for much too much for you to handle emotionally uh, so you mentioned this uh, woman from switzerland or that lived in switzerland so you dated her for a few months right post yeah. your kind of failed engagement um your broken whichever way you want to call it so um so that was not really the trigger of it all right like that you said it was a peaceful breakup uh is this the following yeah. shorter relationship how this this person treated you that that was more like was heavier for you to digest yeah, absolutely interesting interesting okay okay all right so you you then kind of thought about 
here's the, the day when I will just act on it. And on that one day, that's when you you call this uh, um, service. How do you call it? How is what's the name of it? The crisis team. Crisis team. Is that a UK? Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a mental health thing done by the NHS in the UK. Okay. Okay. So you call them and uh, they sent you someone right away. No, no. It's um, I called my GP a few weeks before. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I remember calling the GP and saying, I need to see a doctor today. Uh, and they said, oh, no, no appointments for the next three weeks. And I said, look, I'm going to kill myself. Um, oh, wow. I need to see a doctor now. And they they got me in that day because if I hadn't gone on that day when I was feeling clear headed and and you know positive, you know even to wait a day, I might. Right. Have gone. Okay. So that was, but it was like some weeks before your um, kind of deadline. Deadline, which I I was I was having that yeah. word in mind, but felt weird to say it out loud. So. Uh, okay, so just it is on, it was only because you kind of declare that hey, you know, an, another day may be too late. They send someone right away. So they send it. You didn't go to anywhere, right? They send someone to, over. No, to I place. went. I went to the GP and he put me under the care of the crisis team. And the crisis team would come to the house um, twice a week or three times a week. I can't remember. Okay, kind of to check and on me. So, so then they send you different people. That's what I heard you say for the following few weeks. Yeah. And so that didn't really help you that much, did it? No. Right. No, it didn't. Um, after that day, after that moment of strength or that moment of clarity or whatever you want to call it, um, I went right back to, um, to how I was feeling. And, you know, I had people come sit in my living room where I'm sitting right now and offer me empty platitudes. And uh, it just, I, I didn't feel anything. Right. Mm. So th these people were not able to kind of connect with you at a deeper level. You didn't. No, not mm. until not until the last one. Not until the last one. And is that the last person you actually met from that organization, or that program kind of continued afterwards? Um, I went came? to one more meeting, um, which wasn't in the house. I had to go to the the hospital. Um, right. And I I didn't like the person I met at the hospital. Right. Mm. So so this guardian angel was really the one who saved you in a way, right? He's like this guy. Do you know his name at all, or no? No, couldn't. Like I said, I remember nothing about him. I wow. don't remember what he looked like. I don't remember his name. Um, mm -hmm. I just remember the conversation we had. Yeah, and he he. Gave you, you said you gave you hope. How did he do that? Like, what was the the demeanor, the words, the presence? Can you kind of do you remember? Yeah, he he said, "I've been where you are." I've been where you are. He wow. said, "I've, um, I was suicidal, and uh, and I came back from it." And he was the first person, and he's one of the only people in the mental health team that's ever actually opened up. I mean, part of the problem with counsellors and therapists is that they're trained not to share their experiences with you. It's supposed to be all about the client. But what I needed was somebody who understood 
and what was going on. And so, you know, he told me about his, um, if I remember rightly, his marriage breakup um, and how he was suicidal and he was drinking a lot. And then, you know, he told me that he got through it and he requalified as a mental health worker to help people. And then the main thing that he kept saying to me was, what do you want? And I just, I, I laughed at him and I said, I want to die. And he said, no, that's not good enough. What do you want? What, what is it that you want from life that would keep you alive? And I said, well, I want to help people. And he said, well, how are you going to do that? I said, well, I'd love to requalify as a, as a you know, psychotherapist. And he said, what's stopping you? And I said, money. And he said, look, there's government grants that, you know, you can apply for to go and requalify. And, you know, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And that gave me enough of a glimmer of hope that I could change my life Yeah, to, to get me through that day. I guess it gave you hope, but it also gave you a, a glimpse of a purpose. Yeah. Right. Which you, I would say you fulfilled and you keep fulfilling with all the other things you have done afterwards. And I want to enter more details now on, on that, but you are really an example of someone who is out there in the arena, you know, sharing his story and his challenges in a very open way. You are with me right now, mm-hmm. um, very authentically, genuinely. And you. But I'm hoping that by listening to your story, more people will find the courage to uh, ask for help or to reach out or um, maybe to change uh, because there is hope and there is purpose out there. So how... How did you transform this experience into uh, an opportunity for you to really give back and help others on their journey as well? Well, I mean, I think that um, one thing I always say is when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I was absentmindedly scrolling through Facebook uh, one day, probably, I don't know, six months after after this whole um you know, after, after the 2nd of July. And I, I saw an advert for a public speaker and it was free public speaking training in Leeds. And I said, okay, Leeds is not that far. Um, I consider myself a good public speaker, but, you know, I'm always trying to improve. So I went over there and I met um, a, guy, a guy called Andy Harrington um, and a woman called Cheryl Chapman. And they were amazing public speakers, but more than that, they were amazing people. And I found myself trying to become part of the community of positive people. Because I I personally think that you're, you're an average of the five people around you in terms of their outlook on life. If you surround yourself with five very negative people, you're going to be a negative person yourself. Uh, And I needed to be surrounded by people who, when I had an idea, they said, yes, you can. You know, I mean, uh, the example I usually give to people is that um, imagine that I said I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. How many people would say, awesome, Um, you need me to look at your routine, you need some some pointers and how many would say oh it's really difficult what if people don't laugh 
you know, all this kind of stuff. I would say that the latter would massively outweigh the former. There are very few yeah. people that will back you and say, what can I do to help you? Well, I found this community of people that were like that. And slowly but surely, I started to become a more positive person. Mm -hmm. And I guess what we're saying, Liam, is, is that to be able to do that, to encourage others, even if they have seemingly difficult dreams, is not necessarily it does not necessarily entail being naive right or being overconfident it's rather to acknowledge that certain things are hard but possible and it doesn't mean there's not going to be any obstacle and and you're not going to have to work hard but uh, you you can still do it uh, applies to most things right not to everything of course you're not going to be uh, cristiano ronaldo as much as you try but you know for pretty much majority of the of the jobs or activities people can with practice, with resources, with timing, with, with focus can get there. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So you, you joined this community, you you so you did not only learn public speaking skills, probably you you learned some other things. You you grew you grew in which ways? Well I just I just spent time around people that had dreams. And were not just talking about these dreams. They were out there doing them. And and it really instilled in me a, a yes you can mentality. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now um I have a very I, I have a knee jerk reaction to people telling me I can't do something. Right. Because you know um someone tells me I can't do something, well screw you, I'm gonna go do it. <laughs> um, okay. And I, and I, almost almost I, to prove I, them wrong. Well, yeah. Um, I I just I realized that the power of our words. If someone tells you they want to do something, encourage them. Right. Even if right. deep down you don't believe they can do it. Right. You know. I mean. Um. Regardless of whether you think they can or not you do them a disservice by telling them you can't do this unless you're doing it to protect them. I mean, if somebody wants to go on, you know, Britain's got talent and sing and, and you know, they can't sing then. Okay. Yeah. You don't right. publicly embarrass themselves, but most things, you know, someone says, okay, I want, I want to learn to speak French. Great. Okay. Well, you know, are you going to take classes? Are you going to use Duolingo? You've got to encourage people. Right. Right. Good. And so fast forward a couple of years and you are moving to Budapest. What took you to Budapest? Well, the UK during lockdown was a very bad place for me. Um, I was, I, I would openly say that I was bordering on alcoholism. Um, I lost everything with COVID. Um, I had to leave my, my home, which was in Timor-Leste. I lost the girl, the girl I was seeing, I lost my friends, I lost my flat, I lost my cat, I lost my job. And all of a sudden I found myself back in the UK. And as much as I love my mom and my family, I was getting up every day and I had nothing. Um, and so I would sit, play video games all day. And then in the evening, I'd sit and get drunk. 
And I got to a point where I, I said to myself, this is not me and I'm not going to allow myself to go down this path. So I started looking around for jobs and I said to my mum, the first place that offers me a decent job, I'm going. And I don't care where it is. I was so desperate to leave the UK. I applied for a job in Iraq. Wow. I would have gone if I'd got it. But, you know, it was Budapest that, that I got the job in and, you know, the package itself, the housing was included, so I didn't need to worry about that. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I had the interview, I think, three weeks before. Uh, I had the interview and then three weeks later I was in Budapest. As a private, as a teacher, as an English teacher in a private school. Yeah. And it's the first time I've ever gotten a plane to move somewhere and not felt ready. When I landed in Budapest, um, I was still suffering the after effects of lockdown. And um, so that was so was early 2020? Mid, mid 2020. Mid 2020. Yeah, okay. like August. But the, you know, I mean, I wasn't ready to move but i had to because i i knew that that now was the time the, you know the world was opening back up again for the summer and um and i thought if i don't go now I, i'm going to get stuck here for longer and it's not going to be good for me got it and how did you settle in budapest when you came was it hard um, around you it was well there were a few things um I I'm I've lived in enough places now that I know how to hit the ground running. So I know how to arrive in a place and instantly start building myself a support network. But it was tough when I landed in Budapest because the first outlet was work. And I had a month-long training session, month-long like induction thing. But I didn't really click with anybody at work straight away. Then we ended up in a two-week quarantine. Um, because one of the people got COVID and we were all in the room. Um, so that didn't help. And it was it was kind of slow at the beginning. I had my hiking group, which is international, and they have a chapter in Budapest. So I joined that. Um, but I was looking around for more. Right. And, you know, I, I came across Inspiral. And I'd been to another group, which I won't name, but I'd been to another group about a week before and not enjoyed it because I've spent my time around genuine coaches and I could spot a fake coach a mile off now. And when I sat there at this meetup, I thought, no, I don't trust this guy. He's, he's not a coach. Um, I don't trust his motives. When I came along to Inspiral, um, I got a different vibe straight away. Right. It was, you know, from meeting Shafi, yeah. Um, immediately it was like okay this this is a community that i want to be around this is this is a group of people that are here for the right reasons um to better themselves positive people and you know i mean even though i didn't come that often it was nice to know it was always there right thank you for that thank you for that so and then i think shafi mentioned about you to me and as as you kind of approached him for um to speak in a storytelling event right you spoke and then i approached and then we started to kind of build our connection 
-hmm. But yeah, I found your speech brilliant. And you basically told the story that you have just shared um, here. So it was uh, an amazing, amazing speech. And um, I think everybody was was impressed that day. So maybe, um, Liam, and, and, and I want to go to Stacey in, in a minute, but really, if you were to give a couple of words in terms of uh, recommendation to others that might be in a, in a valley in their life uh, or in a dark place, um, what would those be? Um, that's That's a tough one because like i said a lot of people when you know when they um when they're depressed or, or anxious or whatever um a lot of people use clichés um you know empty platitudes um i guess i would say the same thing as my guardian angel said i i came back yeah. And so can you. So maybe the advice could be to reach out uh, to those people that, you know, were in that space and came back because they can re they can relate. Uh, I don't know if there is any uh, outlet there. Um, probably if you just search it, um, depending on where you are in the world, you can find. But th I guess the, the game changer for you was really this person that had been there and, and you felt like finally understood. And uh, out of pity, or just because it's somebody's job to help you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's because many times we 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 kind of advise to people, okay, reach out for help. But in general, I mean, I'm not equipped to help someone who is suicidal, and I wouldn't even even you you know, I wouldn't try. Right. Most of us are not uh, equipped. And and this is one example, but there can be other eating disorders, uh, depression, you name it, right? We're not equipped. So you need to reach out to the appropriate uh, organizations and or to those that um, can relate, can can give you a words of hope. And they've gone through through this and somewhat, uh, I don't want to say get out, got out, but but they are in a better place. Maybe Maybe even if it's just for a moment yeah. or for a period. Um, they're in a better uh, season. So, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, so then then what, uh, when, when did the idea of Stay Sane came up? It was uh, in, the, in the autumn of 2020 or later? Actually, no. Um, as I said, I joined a hiking group, which is international. Um, and I was put in charge of that after just a few months with the remit of we want to grow our numbers we want to be more international so it was mostly just english and hungarians right. and english people and hungarians and one american one german but it was very much those two nationalities were dominant and to bring in young people and um, i was the youngest there by a considerable amount okay and so they, you know, they, I started bringing friends along to it because it's fun. And, um, and then they said, okay, we want you to lead this group and we want you to, to swell the numbers. So I said, okay, great. No problem. And um, I took the group from 10 members, uh, average turnout of eight to 10 to average turnout of 25 to 30 in the space of a couple of months. 
and everything was going well. And then the traditionalists stepped in and there was one woman who is a, a bully and I was bullied as a kid. So I, I, I know the damage that bullies can do. And I went to the group and I said, I want her out. This is not someone that should be allowed to be around these people. And they said, no, we are a non-exclusive group. And I said, yeah, but this, this is abuse. She took against me and she started a smear campaign by email. And um, the, the worst thing that she did was mock my mental illness. Because I said to I said to the group at one point, in response to these emails, I said, "Look, this is affecting my mental health now. It has to stop." Um, and she her response was to to mock me in front of the group. Oh, my name's Liam, and I suffer from depression. Everyone feels sorry for me. And I lost my temper, and I don't lose my temper very easily, but um, I lost my temper with her. And I basically said to the group, she goes or I do. And unfortunately, they thought I was bluffing. I don't bluff. I said, okay, I'm done. Enough. You find somebody else to run this. And so I was kicking around at home. It was during the lockdown, the second lockdown. And a friend of mine came to me and said, Liam, every day I get up, I go to work. Sometimes we play badminton at the school. Then I go home. This is my life, you know. Um, is you know why? Why don't you start your own hiking group? You know, I'll come along. And I said, well, I don't want to start a hiking group. I don't want it to be seen as me being petty and you know competing with this group. Um, the the Stay Sane Social Club name just came to me one one time when I was just sitting absentmindedly, just thinking about things, and I thought it'd be a great name. And so I started it up and I basically said, look, if the government is not going to allow us to socialize with this ridiculous curfew and everything being closed, then I will open up my apartment as kind of like a social space. So I bought a dartboard. I bought, a, I, you know, bought a, an extra games console and, and we had a darts night. We had a retro video games night. We had a... Um, a baking competition. We had a Cards Against Humanity night. And um, it's just, that's how it started. It started with just 40 people that I knew. Um, I messaged them and said, hey, I'm starting this group up. If you're ever just kicking around at home, which a lot of people were, and you want to come over, then you just let me know and I'll, and I'll start organizing things. And it was it was intended to just last the duration of the lockdown. Uh, and once they opened everything up, then it was it was going to close. But people kept coming and people I didn't know started joining the group. And I remember organizing a picnic. I called it a TGIF picnic. And we did it on Margaret Island. It was a nice day. It's probably April time, April, May. And um I invited the people in the group and 50 people said they were coming. Now, this is back when you couldn't have a group larger than 10. Right. I'm like, ah, 50 people on Facebook is 50 people on Facebook. I'll probably get yeah. about 15 or something like that. No, 50 people showed up. Wow. 
And that was when I realized, wow, okay, this is this has got something. And yeah. almost every person who came was from a different background or a different country, a different occupation. And all of a sudden you got 50 very, very different people all in one space. And it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And what's amazing, like you reach now 4,000 members uh, on Facebook. And of course, not everyone is active, but I see activities are still going on. So you basically created the platform where people can create events, um, social events of any any um, nature and get together. It's beautiful. Well, I mean, the, the main idea behind it was to learn from, I'm not going to say my mistakes, but learn from the previous experience. So I have a very strict, no bullying, no abuse policy. Yep. I, have, I have removed people from the group. And I think that the the main thing about the Stay Sane Social Club is that people come along and they feel safe. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people who came to come to events are quite shy and find it difficult to make friends. They need a facilitator um, in order to make friends. And that's, that's the role that I took on for myself. And it's gone through different incarnations. You know, I mean, <laughs> the expat community is a very fluid thing and a lot of people have left and a lot of new people have joined. But, you know, I mean, people just keep joining. And yeah, well, like you said, whether they're active or whether they're not, I have a lot of people that say things like, I've been in the group for months, but I, I this is my first event and I'm sorry I haven't come sooner. Don't be sorry. Yeah. You know, the group is there as and when you need to use it. Yeah, I, I I hear that a lot at Inspiral too. People say, yeah, I keep looking at the events, but I, you know, for one reason or another, I couldn't come before. I, you know, just come very rarely. But I say, you know, we're here. No, there's no expectation. Just know that we are um, here for you people yeah. uh, to create good conversations, uh, stories, and, um, you know, having a good time. So, you know, I really admire what you did. And if if we were... Uh, companies uh, or corporations, I would uh, make an offer to acquire you <laughs> because some <laughs> of the things you do are we we are as, as we discussed right. So we we actually have established a cooperation in ways that uh, people from my group could come to yours or uh, and vice versa. There was some sort of cross pollination there, but really uh, what we do is more on in the space of. Uh, uh, like personal development um, and storytelling what you do is more sort of entertainment and fun and uh, and play and playfulness and um, this kind of thing so uh, they're these are all good things right they're very much complementary if you will absolutely and and this you know I mean um, one of my major things was that I never set out to compete with anybody yeah so even if I'm doing similar kind of activities to another group, for example, I did a language exchange. There's the blah, blah language exchange on the Thursday night that's very successful. I'm not going to compete with that. I don't see why we can't have two. Um, yeah. You know, pub quizzes. I kept mine on a night that I, at the time, there were no other pub quizzes. I don't want to compete. Budapest is big enough that everyone agree. can have a slice. I think if I can expand on this theme, uh, Liam, I think this idea of 
I'm going to do my thing or our thing. And, and I don't want to really compare what we do with others. Just there is space for everyone to your point, particularly in, in a world of um, where people need connections and need experiences and need fun and playfulness that they generally don't find else, elsewhere in life, particularly not on workplace for the most, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, and in the last few years, it's been hard to keep up the connections due to various um, root causes and, and COVID being one of them. But more and more people felt isolated. So I think there is space for everyone. I, I, I was also at times just looking at other groups and how they were doing. And and I, I told myself, hey, you know, I just need to do my thing mm-hmm. and, um, and f- make sure that we we continue to improve the quality of what we do and keep the good things we're doing, but not kind of changing the nature or being concerned about, oh, the others or the other event makers have more people or they do these cool things that we are not able to do, whatever. We do what we, we can and we do it at the best of our abilities. But you know, I think what's impressive in your case is also you have a job, like I do have a job too and we keep doing these things um, and dedicating quite, some amount of time to this like you had two or three events per week on a most on most months right yeah exactly so it's it's incredible so it's a second job pretty Isn't much it? yep yeah but okay. you know i mean it's everywhere i've been most of my friends have been teachers and as much as i love my my teacher friends you find yourself sitting and talking about work right what I loved about Budapest and about the Stay Sane Social Club is that it was people from all walks of life. And I, I got to know people that did jobs that I'd never even heard of. Right. And I got to meet people from countries that, okay, I've heard of them, but I'd never met somebody from that country before. I mean, one of my best friends in, in Budapest is from Azerbaijan. Right. I'd never even met anybody from Azerbaijan before, I don't think. <laughs> Maybe one student I think I had once. Um, right. But it was so nice to to be able to um, spend time with such a diverse group. And, you know, I mean, it didn't feel like work. And also it, it provided a welcome distraction from yeah. some of the not so pleasant things that were going on in my life. And I could go to the social club. And what, what I loved about what I love about the hiking group, it, like I said, it's international. And it's a bubble. You step into a bubble for a couple of hours and nothing else exists outside that bubble. And that's what I wanted to recreate. So, you know, when when I started the social club and, and since, it's been a case of no matter what's going on in your life, you know, the cost of living in Hungary, for example, is going up. And, um, you know, there's the political situation. There's the war in Ukraine. There's all these different... Just forget about it for a couple of hours. Come, meet some people, be silly, be yourself, have a laugh. Your problems will still be waiting for you later, whatever those problems are. But I wanted to create this bubble that allowed people just to just just to switch off for a while, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's that's really powerful when people know that there is a place they can always go to. I think uh, the consistency of what we we do and we did 
uh, is is also important, right? You know, people know that every Tuesday there's an inspiral event. They may not like all the events or they may not be interested in everything, but they know we're there. Even if they um, are not interested in the specific event, I, I see sometimes people know already what we're going to do next, which is go to a nearby pub to have a, a drink. And they already, we already meet them there, right? So it's uh, the consistency of it all that... Uh, you know, makes the people feel that there is a the place for them to go when they're down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really powerful. You know, quite quite a few people have reached out to me with their problems. Yep. Um and I I was actually meeting one one girl from the social club once a week for probably about two months. Um and just listening to her and sharing my insights and, you know, watching her start to fight back was, was a beautiful thing. And, you know, other people just needed someone to, to, to offload, you know, just, just to unload. Right. And I didn't necessarily do anything apart from listen and encourage. And, um, you know, a couple of people, Last week, when I was in my last week in Budapest, um, a couple of people used the word legacy, which which blew my mind. I mean, I never never thought of it like that, but this is the first time I've left a place where, first of all, there's been so many people. Um, I mean, the, the leaving part I had was insane um, for the number of people that were there. And... Um, yeah, but it feels like I've left something behind, and I'm I'm glad that a couple of people have taken the reins, and that things yeah. are going to keep going on. Um, because you know I feel like I've I've, do you know I feel like I've left Budapest in a better place than I found it. Yeah, absolutely. You touched many lives. You did touch many lives. Much probably beyond your initial. Kind of expectations, if you had any, right? You just wanted to have a good time during the lockdown here. With I me. I had no yeah. expectations of, of, of it. right. It was it was like I said, supposed to finish after a couple of months. Um, yep. I was going to close it down and and just go back to my my regular life. If, if any of us could go back to regular lives after COVID, right. but um, yeah. you know, as as it as it continued to grow, I remember one day sitting in a restaurant and getting and checking my phone. And I had 30 requests for the group. I yeah. just like, whoa, okay. What's going on? You know, I mean, I was used to one or two a day. And then all of a sudden, I just got this, you know, barrage of requests for the group. And, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting that the people that apply for the group, I check them as closely as I can to, to make sure they're the kind of person that's going to fit in with the group. Um, I don't, for example, like locked profiles um if people don't answer the membership questions i don't let them in right um, but they go from just being a facebook profile and a picture on a screen to being friends right and last week you know i had problems with the dog because he was supposed to be picked up on friday before i left and the delivery guy was late and i had i had people to call yeah you know and i a couple and took her in for the night who I met through the social club and we've become friends and yeah I've, I've met some really amazing people and it was hard work 
very yeah but worth it absolutely all right hey this was a great conversation my friend let me just ask you uh to wrap it up what are you up to uh in life right now you're moving to morocco soon uh what's on your mind what are your dreams what are your plans um it's nice to be home for a while although the uk does annoy me after a while three weeks is <laughs> enough um i'll go out to morocco at the beginning of january and i want to go and work for someone who appreciates my talents and lets me get on with it as much as i loved a lot of my time in hungary the managers that i worked for were not good uh, constantly right. interfering and micromanaging and um and not letting me do my job and um, not letting me do it to the best of my ability um i've never lived in africa before like i said i lived in a little spanish enclave that's on the african mainland but it was still spain and um, so that's going to be an experience and just going to to get to know a, a different part of the world and i'm really hoping that I can go there and settle quickly. People keep asking me, are you going to start a, a group in Morocco? Who knows? Certainly not immediately. I want right. to be a participant for a while. I want yeah. to show up and, and let somebody else do all the legwork. But if there's a niche, if there's a, a space, if there's a community that I think would would appreciate it, then why not? I mean, why not have a stay sane social sure. club in Morocco? Absolutely. We can give it a try. You're becoming a franchise. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I would love to see it take off in the same way as the hiking group did. Right. Uh, the hiking group that I used to be a part of started in the 1930s and is now international. It's all over the world. Wow. Um, yeah. I have the same so, dream for Inspiral, by the way. So. Yeah. It would be know. nice to, to think that someone who's in the Stay Sane Social Club Budapest now, when they leave Budapest... They, they're going to go and they're going to say, okay, I'm going to start my own. Yep. Whether it's yep. called the Stay Sane Social Club or, or whatever else. else. Um, you know, yep. it, it would be nice to think that we're not, it's not just limited to Budapest because one of the things I found that does inspire me to keep going is when I, when I landed in Slovenia, I had a great time in Slovenia, but I wanted to meet people. When I landed in Bulgaria, I wanted to meet yeah. people. And there weren't these groups. It right. was hard to meet people. I was just a tourist. But I thought, God, if I moved to these places, how would I make friends? Yeah. Budapest is very lucky not just to have our two groups, but there are a lot of groups in Budapest. And it's a very active Facebook community. So it's, it's easy enough to make friends. But I, I don't like the idea of people um, you know, landing in a place and being alone and not having that outlet because yeah. loneliness is a killer. It's an absolute killer. Loneliness and isolation. If COVID taught us one thing, it's that isolation is very, very bad for us. As 100%. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've, I've landed in places where I've not known anyone and yeah, it's, it is lonely and it is difficult. And what you do, what you want is you want someone to come along and just take your hand and say, you know what? It's yeah. okay. I got you. I'll introduce you to some people. And, you know, the, the joy of the social club in a lot of ways is that I have people that I haven't seen in over a year. 
that were very, very active in the group. And then they met, they made friends. Either yeah. through the group or they just made friends elsewhere. And they didn't need the group anymore. Which is fine, right? Absolutely fine. Totally fine. But, you know, if, if I if I help them to meet, want to make one friend, then... That's good enough. Done. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think an important part of our uh, job in, in in these communities is to create a, a safe space where where really everyone can come and particularly for those that find it more challenging to create connection, maybe they are introverts or they are just in a down period of their lives or maybe their English is not great, uh, but they can still come and they will be respected, accepted, welcomed. And um, you know they can participate to the de- whichever extent they want, right? Absolutely. Uh, that's that's a really really important. All right, uh, Liam, this was a great conversation. Thanks for being on Take It or Lead It, and uh, wishing you all the best for your future, for your new season, new adventure. And of course, uh, next time you are in Budapest, you you want to come to Budapest, you are my guest. But I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot of other people that <laughs> would have happily uh, have you um, as a guest, right? Well, my my plan is to come back in June. Okay. Uh, my my students are graduating, and I promised them that I would come to their graduation. So, um, uh, all being well, I'll be back you know, for a few days in June. Um, but, you know, I, I, other places that I've left, I kind of saw it as a, a closed book. Budapest is not. I need to come back. I have too many friends, too many yeah. um, people to see to, to, to right. just close the, close the book. It's not. Yeah. Um, I'll be back at, you know, how yeah. often and when, I don't know. Right. For, for sure, I'm going to try and get over there in June. All right. Thank you, friend. And congratulations for this magical book that you wrote. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.